the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you. And do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and contact friend so they can join in as well. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre, and good Holy Sunday morning with God. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, and rejuvenate in us our baptismal promises. Recreate in us the faith, the hope, and the love for Almighty God the Father and for our Lord Jesus Christ. My dear friends, today um, the Christians in the West, uh, the Catholic Church, Apostolic Churches, they celebrate the Pentecost Sunday, actually. The Pentecost Sunday, which is um, 50 days after Pentecost. You know, we usually tell them, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Um, In such a way, uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, as we know. We say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, for sure, um, in our prayers to the Holy Spirit, we also pray for gifts. And um, as you know, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of light. We always ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds. And this morning, as I was praying in my breviary, I noticed that um, um, Jesus ascended into heaven to send us the Paracletos, meaning the Holy Spirit. And for sure, um, without giving any homily, this is not a spiritual lection, but this is definitely um, what we might call a reality of um, our life and of our relationship with God, that the Holy Spirit reinforces in us in an invincible way the power of God. Nothing can separate us from our triumph, from our victory, from our life, from our right, from our eternal life, um, from, from the right to be redeemed by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We will become invincible through the Holy Spirit. With this, Jesus shows us a better way of love. He himself ascends into heaven to be with his Father, and he sends us his Holy Spirit, the fortification of our relationship with him. So not only we are saved, we are the image and likeness of God and saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. We actually become temples for Jesus and God. 
when the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But today I want us to pray, you and me, and um, Gerard, who's with me here in the studio from the Apostolate of Our Lady of Hope, and of course on the phone, we will have uh, with us Dr. Gillian Dunraven, a friend, an attorney, and professor of law at Arapaho Community College. We want to pray together today um, again and again for life, you know, for the unborn, for peace. And um, imagine you have billion babies in the world who we know in the last 50 or so years have been killed in their mother's wombs. You know, no matter how we're going to look at it, these babies have been killed. Whether there is a way to justify it, whether the world would like to continue entertain the idea of abortion and right and the crime and no crime, when life begins, when life ends, life begins at conception. And if we continue to kill these babies after they have been conceived in their mother's wombs, we have done a murder of over a billion babies on planet Earth. So these billions, I consider them my parishioners. I pray with them in my private Mass. I ask God every day to baptize them, to save them, to treat them with His divine mercy and His kingdom. And on their behalf today, we want to pray Psalm 89 together. And when I tell Him, God, come to my assistance, O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Look on us, Lord, and see how we are despised. Hallelujah. Imagine a billion babies in the world calling upon God and telling Him. And yet, you have rejected and spurned and are angry with the one you have anointed. You have broken your covenant with your servant and dishonored his crown in the dust. You have broken down all his walls and reduced his fortresses to ruins. He is despoiled by all who pass by. He has become the taunt of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have made his sword give way. You have not upheld him in battle. My friends, and this Sunday, as uh, we are praising and worshiping the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Holy Trinity, imagine these unborn are saying to Almighty God, calling from the dust of their existence, basically, before they even came to existence. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like a fire? Remember, Lord, the shortness of my life and how frail you have made the sons of man. What man can live never see death? And who can save himself from the grasp of the grave? Where are your mercies of the past, O Lord, which you have sworn in your faithfulness to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant is taunted, how I have to bear all the insults of the people. Thus your enemies taunt me, O Lord, marking your anointed at every step. Yet all these unborn shout loud and make praises to God, telling them, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Lord God of mercy and fidelity, you made a new and lasting pact with man and sealed it in the blood of your Son. 
Forgive the folly of our disloyalty and make us keep your commandments. Protect the unborn. Teach every mother and father, every doctor, every nurse, everyone in a legal system or in medical system or in a family system, in society, all the people of influence, that these children, these babies are your creation and life in them is a gift from you. We must not reject it. We must not refuse it yet. We shall bring it onto full existence to fulfill its perfect objective for which you have created it. So that in our new covenant, we may be witnesses and heralds of your faithfulness and love on earth and for life and sharers of your glory in heaven. Amen. Dear Julian, I want to greet you in the Lord. Good Holy Sunday morning to you. Good morning, Father. How are you? Thank you for uh, your patience while we are praying and the Gerard here in the studio. You, have, you know, we came to a beautiful summertime, obviously. There is a lot to cover um, in a few minutes, you and us, on this uh, Sunday morning. And uh, But before we go to the um, unborn, to Roe versus Wade, uh, I know I've been in your garden. We do not want to tell the people how beautiful your garden is. But uh, w- we started doing some plantation as well in the backyard of the mission um, ourselves as well. Um, what is gardening in Colorado like? Do, do, do families have this tradition to take care of their personal garden? Does every household have a personal garden, or you stand as a unique person, basically, you and mom and dad? Well, I, I think it should be. Um, I, I think that the world, it, it helps bring balance to one's world and, and worldview. One can get entirely too consumed with work and with with other distractions, gardening and doing something natural that's dependent on the physical forces of the world grounds you, for lack of a better term, and and keeps you in touch with what is important. I think in order to have a balanced life, one needs to engage in some some sort of artistic pursuit or gardening or writing, whatever the case may be, meaningful work and good family, whether that be the kind you choose or the type you're born with. If you have those three things, I think one can be a pretty happy well, well I, I hear you speak to your flowers and you speak to your garden and to your trees and somehow you treat them like St. Francis um, um, almost. Uh, uh, and I know you have a lot of um, irises in your garden. You know, the irises are the, the, the famous flower in Europe, right? Yes. Yes, the symbol of the French royalty, in fact. Well, the fleur de lis, right? And, um, yes. Uh, and it's a beautiful decorative design and beautiful symbol um, for numerous European nations, as a matter of fact. Uh, um, so what do you think about the fleur de lis? What, what, what does it symbolize for you? Well, to be honest, and strangely, given how my interest my interest runs to historical symbolism, I only discovered what the fleur de lis symbolized this year. Uh, it was rather embarrassing, actually. I always thought it was a rather odd-looking symbol. I couldn't figure out which flower it was. It wasn't until I saw an iris sideways that I, I realized, oh my, I've been looking at this wrong for quite a number of years. Um, but it is. It's, it's a lovely symbol. It's very brief. Um, the flower itself is very brief. It's very colorful. Um, it comes in all shades of the rainbow, hence the name after the goddess of the rainbows. But I think it's a good reminder for royalty. Bring something beautiful to life and And be reminded that life is brief. 
That's true, and it's actually in its colors. It's actually the color of the the colors of the king. It's a sign of the kingdom, and a sign of the truth and the justice. Believe it or not, and uh, you as a lawyer definitely were speaking about um, uh, justice. Well, we, we see this uh, this uh, entire thing that is happening. This another thing to divide the people, I guess, um, um, at the expense of the rights of the unborn. For you, Dr. Julian, who are the unborn? Who are these babies who basically are being aborted before they come to existence? Where do you stand from them? Well, you were correct in your opening prayer. They represent millions, if not billions, of people every year um, about potentialities. And I, I think the second the problem is the second you start Talking about that, you will have people on the other side who will argue that, no, no, these are not actual people. These are simply a collection of cells. They are not ensouled. They are not full people. They are dependent for their existence on something else. Um, and so you have a, a huge debate over what it is that constitutes human life, none of which tends to be very consistent, and all of which um, results in a great deal of acrimony. Because the Supreme Court has stepped into that situation with Roe v. Wade and tried to settle the question. It failed miserably. And so for the past several decades, society has been tearing itself apart, arguing this question. And we finally get to argue again with the Supreme Court's latest decision, which has not actually been released yet. But thanks to the leak in the Supreme Court, we now know. Uh huh. You, you know, I, I want to tell you something. We spoke about the iris and the fleur de lis. I want to remind the people that it has those uh, three parts, like one central part that comes down, and then two side parts that open up like wings. And uh, I don't know if people know that in a Frankish reign, it is actually the symbol of the coming down of the Holy Ghost, the coming down of the Holy Spirit. That's why it is a symbol of the truth and of justice. As a matter of fact, it's a gift of God that gives um, life, um, like the tongues of fires, basically, that came upon the apostles in the, in, in the upper room. So um, this beautiful yeah. image of a dove um, descending, which is the symbol of the Holy Ghost in our Christian um, tradition. Um, at the same time, um, and somehow, um, should give hope today for a human life. Because, you know, we become human beings, living beings, when God breathes in us the Ruach Elohim, the, 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 the Spirit of the Lord. Um, Roe versus Wade, and um, uh, the leaked opinion that came out. Um, it needs a brief, do an overview of Roe versus Wade. So um, why people should understand it, how they should understand it. And I honestly pray that they understand it under the light and guided by the Holy Spirit. So they know that knowledge has to be under the light of God and somehow. So would you give us a little bit of an overview? Like, like Roe versus Wade is probably one of the most acrimonious public debates that we've ever had, and yet very few people actually know anything about Roe versus Wade. They know that it legalized abortion and, and made it a national right, uh, and that's about it. They understand very little of it. And I think that if they did, they'd understand why it's so controversial. Roe versus Wade... Uh, unbelievably, created a constitutional right without actually citing the Constitution one time in the entire opinion. Uh, it, instead... You're talking cited, the original opinion of 1973, the original opinion. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Roe versus Wade picked 
pregnancy apart into three stages, three trimesters. And trimesters, of course, are not mentioned in the Constitution whatsoever. During the first trimester, the court said that the state has no interest whatsoever in this upcoming life, and thus no state or federal government could could impose any restrictions on abortion during the first trimester. During the second trimester, the state had some interest in the in the dawning of a new life, and thus we could pass some restrictions, reasonable restrictions, like making people see an ultrasound before getting an abortion or having a slight delay, um, but not much. And in the third trimester, once viability had been reached, the state had an absolute and compelling interest in a new life, and thus, therefore, the state could prohibit late-term abortions. Regardless of what you think of that policy, and some people think it's good, some people think it's bad, the fact remains that it's terrible constitutional jurisprudence because nowhere in that opinion is that anywhere stated in the Constitution. This is the, this is the proper role of a legislature or Congress, um, and the court simply assumed that to its, to its own power. Some years later, in Casey versus Planned Parenthood, the court went back to it because the decision had become quite obviously unworkable. And so the court, in a very divided opinion in which two justices wanted to keep the Roe versus Wade exactly as it was, four justices wanted to abolish it entirely, and three justices, which formed the plurality opinion, wanted to change it quite substantially. They threw out the trimester mode and instead adopted a standard of undue burden, that abortion could not – you could not put an undue burden on someone's right to get an abortion. The problem with that, of course, is what is an undue burden versus a due burden? What is reasonable versus unreasonable? What is a substantial burden versus a non-substantial burden? Is the time period a reasonable restriction or is it not? Is a ban on 15 weeks or more reasonable or is it not? So the circuit courts had incredible trouble with this, and we've been litigating it ever since which is what brings us today to Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, in which the Supreme Court has overturned both of these so, presidents. So, Dr. Julian... This is the if, reason that they were so important. If I may, um, if I may. So, basically, um, it seems like the Supreme Court in the U.S. since 1970 till today was almost involved in, um, in abortion rights movements, which is was not the case of Roe versus Wade, right? It's, it's not about abortion. It's about the competence of the Supreme Court. Um, and it seems like they were engaged in a persuasive communication campaign for the legalization of abortion. But the reality of the matter is that does the Supreme Court have competence to decide about that? versus the state's right. I think you have a different angle um, you want to let us know. Correct. That's exactly the case. Lots of people talk about judicial activism and what it is to be an activist judge. Well, what it is to be an activist judge is when you're not making opinions based on the on what the law is, and rather you are formulating the law about your own personal opinion. About That's opinion. exactly what Roe versus Wade did. Wow. And would you cover the current case and what was leaked, basically? What, what, what did it do, the current case today, between Mississippi and, and uh, um, the Supreme yes. Court? So the Mississippi case that brought this overturning uh, involved a law in Mississippi that said that no abortion could be performed in Mississippi past 15 weeks, except in a case of in, in which the mother's life was in, at risk or in danger. 
And this regulation was challenged, as so many others have, as being an undue burden on the right of abortion. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. And with a new series of justices, we finally got a more reasonable opinion. Justice Alito wrote the majority opinion. It's Again, it still hasn't been released yet. This is leaked, and that in and of itself is significant. There has never been a leak in the Supreme Court before. You think it's going to be released? You, you think it is going to be released this coming week? It should be released this month. This month. Um, in the normal course of things. But it was... It was an unprecedented attempt to intimidate the Supreme Court justices by leaking this early. So we don't know the final opinion because it, it goes back and forth in drafts and then the dissents have to be written and the concurrences and responses to each other have to all be addressed. So it will probably be changed quite a bit before we actually you, get it. But you were explaining to me about the, about dissent and um, the correspondence, like uh, the opinion basically, um, and then there will be another opinion written, concurrences, I believe, by every uh, justice, right? Uh, by every Correct. judge in a Supreme So the majority court. opinion speaks for the majority of the court. And if one of the points is slightly off, but they agree in the outcome, a justice may choose to write a concurring opinion, which means they agree in the outcome, but for slightly different reasons. And for those justices who disagree and say that we, we should have upheld Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, they will write a dissenting opinion or sometimes several dissenting opinions explaining their reasons. But for the majority of the court, and I imagine it will be either a 5-4 decision or a 6-3 decision, um, and, and, the, the majority opinion by, by Justice Alito will hold. And in his opinion, he stated pretty much what I just explained, that Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood were terrible, awful uh, judicial precedents for a long time. In fact, Casey went so far as to say that they had settled the question and people shouldn't even bother debating it anymore, which is, of course, completely beyond the scope of the Supreme Court's power. So it's going to go back and to the states, initiative. basically. The Supreme Court is going to bring it back as jurisprudence of the local states. And then the fight, the battle Correct. will be locally in, in every state, basically, but not in the Supreme Court anymore. Well, not just in the Supreme Court, not in Congress. Not in Congress. So they, they cited the history of it, and they, they cited that up until Roe versus Wade, this was a state issue. And under the common law English system up until the 20th century, this was illegal, indeed, in, in almost every jurisdiction. And so Roe versus Wade's tortured history was quite wrong. And as a precedent, it was quite wrong. So, yes, now, in, in overturning this and saying, look, there is nothing that mentions abortion in the Constitution. Well, there is no power given to the federal government at all to regulate this, and the Supreme Court massively overstepped itself in doing so. Thank you for explaining now, this in such an angle. They are, they are now over to, they took no position at all on what constitutes a life or whether abortion is right or wrong. They simply turned everything back over and said in the proper federal system, this this issue belongs to the states to decide, and they may do so as they did before Roe Ro versus Wade was decided. I, I have a last question, and you have like at least a minute and a half to try to answer. But away from politics, we do see the other opinions of um, political parties and uh, ideologies uh, from media, from um, you know progressive groups that they're saying basically that um, overturning this decision will endanger other rights like privacy, contraception, um, people with the sex 
sexual orientation rights. Is this true? Do, do, do we have to fear about other things? What, what is your message within the division? This is probably the biggest lie issued by the left um, around this case. Because in, in deciding this case, Justice Alito mentioned those cases no less than three times throughout the opinion. One was in a footnote that went on for three whole pages. And he, he stated pretty explicitly that all of these rights have a much stronger basis in precedent and in, in the common law system than Roe versus Wade, and that Roe versus Wade is unique in, in that instead of enshrining a particular right of policy or preference for the individual, this is a right that terminates someone else's life, wow. unless it is utterly distinguishable from any of these other rights. But just to be sure that there was no mistake, he mentioned these other rights as positive no less than three times during the opinion, and finally concluded by saying he is sharply limiting this opinion to apply only to abortion, and none of the reasoning is to be taken to apply to any other right. This is to and protect that, the life of the innocent, basically. Correct. It, it is, I think, the most misleading, well, not just misleading, it's the most false and terrible lie that I've seen be told about this opinion so far. This, this decision puts none of the other precedents in danger, in fact, he goes so far as to articulate a pretty solid reason for when you should overturn a precedent. And none of these others fall into those reasonings because they weren't based on a false legal history or an overextension of judicial authority. Dr. Julian, I want to thank you so very much. This is a great day. Um, this is Day of the Holy Spirit, 50th day after resurrection. Let us pray, O Holy Spirit, you are the third person of the Blessed Trinity. You are the spirit of truth, love, and holiness, unity, understanding, wisdom, and uh, the love of God proceeding from the Father and the Son and equal to them in all things. We adore you. We love you with all our heart. Teach us to know and to see God, to love one another, to pardon, forgive one another, to abide by the rule of life by whom and for whom we were created, God Almighty. Thank you, and may God bless you all. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 9.30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.